0: Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 this afternoon, and we're going to not rush it at all, not going to drag it out, but this thought is something that is not at all new to a child of God, however, giving frequent thought to it and reminding ourselves, reviewing, renewing, refreshing on this thought is real important. Philippians 3, you already know that by getting into Philippians 3, we're going to be talking about something that has to do with walking with Christ and knowing the Lord. You know, the world today is is deeply unhappy as a whole. And they can have their happy hour, but it don't even last an hour in reality. And even if you're around people that are in notably... Uh, conducive environments and comfortable environments for things like <laughs> retirement and stuff. Even when you're around those people, so many of them are unhappy. They're impatient and they're driving. They're irritable. Uh, the, everything is about them. Everything's about it, it's taking too long. It's doing this. And, and all that's going to increase. Here we are, you know, coming up on a Thanksgiving very soon in a few days here in 2023 and it's a good thing to give thanks. It's a good thing. That's not what our subject is about. It's a good thing to give thanks. It's a good thing to have a day of thanks. Yes, I know that most people are going to give thanks for probably overindulging. But some of that is about the fact that you can overindulge. Amen. I've been in places on, on Thanksgiving Day out of country where it was nice just to be able to have you know something decent to eat that wasn't crawling around. Didn't still need killing. It was thankful. Thankful to have it at times. As we look at this passage of scripture, we need to drill down and get the forest look of the drill down. Now, the Apostle Paul is obviously one of the most important characters in the church age for all of us. And we're going to look at this thing And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, we're going to look at this phrase, one thing. One thing. Okay? Now understand that one thing is not the only thing. That's what's really important to get hold of. One thing is not the only thing. And that's important to grab. Very important. So when we think about the one thing... I'm going to make a few comments on the passage. I know for me, I like to, I need to, I I walk much better with the Lord, I have more clarity when I keep track of the one thing. Now, I understand. I understand there's different parts of what you do in life that are the one thing. There can be the one thing of your church. What is it about? The one thing of this and that. But in your life, if you drew a circle and that's your life and everything inside the circle is your life and everything outside the circle is just part of the world you live in. In other words, you live in a circle called the world, but the world is not supposed to live in your circle and your circle may move around inside that big circle, it might go all over the world, but we don't let the world in our circle. But how do we keep our center right? When you hear the world talking about focus and center and all that, they're copying the Bible. One thing is a Bible and a God teaching. Everything else is a copy. Everything else is a counterfeit. And one thing is never. It's never the only thing. We don't get to do that. It would be wonderful if our one thing was the only thing. But it's actually the opposite. Our one thing, in many ways, we get to spend the least amount of time or effort or physical exertion on, it's not the only thing but it's the one thing look at the passage with me if you will Philippians chapter 3 and it's it's a massive passage we could look at who knows what all kinds of stuff we could get into but let's pick it up in uh, oh let's pick it up in verse nine no let's pick it up at please verse 10 that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We recently did a thing on if, if, uh, that if it was only in this life, like this life is not enough. Out of 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul's saying attain the resurrection. is talking about his eternal reward, eternal report. Not as though I had already attained. So here he is. He's been used by God. He's the Apostle Paul. He's the Apostle to the Gentiles. But he hasn't attained. And he doesn't count himself finished. Perfected. Okay? (laughs) But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So God has a hold on us that we don't quite yet have a hold on Him. But we grow in that. So watch. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth on those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's That whole phrase, that whole sentence, verse 13 and 14, is a one thing. It's a one thing. So how does Paul mean to apply this, to demonstrate it? You know, when Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus in Luke 10, 42, and Martha was serving. (coughs) Martha was completely upset, completely obsessed with the serving, the hospitality. I don't believe that that it's so that God wants Martha's and Mary's, that He wants some people not having the one thing right and some people having it right. I don't believe that. I find that many people... Who are making? I know a fella, pastor, good guy with the Lord now. They both are him and his wife. I, I know a good fella that he his she was a Martha, worried more than she prayed. Good woman, good pastor's wife. And every time he got to that passage or mentioned it, he'd make you know some excuse that Marthas are needed also. I don't believe that. I believe you need Marthas who serve when it's right. See, Mary, Martha was cumbered about. And she even rebukes the Lord. She said, don't you care? And the Lord said, Martha, Martha, when he says your name twice like that, it's kind of like saying to me Michael Robert when I was a kid. They didn't say Michael, Michael. Although my granddad would occasionally, but when they said Michael Robert, you listened. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about. Would you mark that in your Bible? Luke 10, verse 41, many things, many things, but one thing is needful. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking. This is not a pastor. This is not a, you know, a monk somewhere sitting cross legged on a bamboo mat. This is the Lord talking. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from away from her said, Martha, there'll be plenty of time to serve and make a big deal out of hospitality, but this ain't it. Have you ever thought that maybe there's some things that God doesn't want them done all out when it comes to decorating and, and it comes to hospitality and it comes to all that stuff. He wants it just enough for the people to get, say, a blessing or have a little meal and stuff. But he wants the Word of God and the ministry of the Spirit of the saints to each other to be the center of it. So, when we think about that, we understand what the Lord Jesus Christ was telling them. See, when God tells us there's one thing, then it's important for us to get hold of what? The one thing. We need the one thing. There's some, one, there's some places where you find that in your Bible. Uh, I'm thinking of a passage over here. It's in Mark 10, I believe, Mark 10, verse 21. If you want to mark it down. This is what that we call the rich young ruler. And he, he sees him. Jesus beholding him. Verse 21 loves him. Well, he said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth up. He said, one thing thou lackest. One thing. Those are all great, but there's one thing. One thing. i want to throw some, some little words in here for you real quick about motivation and change. I call them helpers of growth, helpers of change. There is to grow and requires change however you can make a lot of changes without any growth you can change colors of rooms you can change uh, furnishings in your church you can change how you do it you can change all this stuff and not grow but you will never grow without some change okay change is big business in the world we live in today change is a really really big deal it's a whole industry And that industry is that you and I in this industry are being told we got to change. You need changes. You need changes. Look, sometimes you do need a better computer or better technology. But there's a lot of times you don't. I'm not saying stay off in there and not be able to do stuff or don't take an upgrade when they offer it. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that is only done for the sake of commerce. That's not what I'm speaking of here. Paul said this one thing I do. And I want to look at just three things about this statement that he makes here in Philippians chapter 3. Alright, one thing. What does one thing do? It gives us focus. For example, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I heard a fellow recently, he was preaching and Preaching revival type meetings, okay, but he spent the first one, two, three, four messages on prayer. Now I know that in many cases the prayer should have been done ahead of time, and maybe it was to some extent, but I could see him having a perfect, a profect, profound effect on people. But he said, "What one thing in prayer?" And he was using where he, Lord Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, "What do you want?" He's going to give him one thing. He said, I want my sight. He knew what the one thing was. He gives us focus. In our passage here in Philippians 3, Paul had been a persecutor. He had been a Pharisee of Pharisees. And as he was doing that, being a a Pharisee, and he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, Acts 23, 26, now he goes from being a Pharisee to pressing forward. You see, the Pharisees were hanging on to what had been developed during those 400 silent years between the Testaments. The Pharisees were hanging on to these traditions that had been created. And it's so similar to me to the day we live in because I'm an absolute King James Bible believer. I believe the King James Bible is the preserved Word of God for the English-speaking people now until the rapture. Right on out. I do. I've had the languages and were required to take them to get the degrees and all that. I understand. I was taught by men who, who would take and show you how that those languages fall short when it comes to what God did by bringing those men together and the Holy Ghost instructing them. And my point being that when you look at these things, when you come to this passage of Scripture, we're not like the Pharisees. We're not stuck. We're not stuck about the originals. We're not stuck in the past. We're not stuck in Arminianism versus Calvinism. And that's one of the big things today. People are stuck on a time called the Reformation, on a time where there was Protestantism. I'm a Bible believing Christian, Bible believing Baptist. I'm not a Protestant. I didn't come out of anything except the world. I protest against the world. Protestant in history was someone. Who was part of coming away from the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church throughout Europe and Eastern Europe? What is the point? His one thing was his focus. Look at his focus, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. See, that's a focus. When I'm focused on forgetting what's behind, what it means is I'm done looking at it, I'm done listening to it, I'm done looking over my shoulder. Why? Because I'm forgetting those things and I'm reaching forth those things before and I press toward the mark. Having the right one thing brings focus. Having the right one thing gives me my first of my firsts. When you and I have one thing, Jesus Christ, as our center, if you drew that circle in, in the very center I'll tell you what you do sometimes. You draw a circle. Get a good one. Like get a compass thing and draw a circle. And you put it dead in the middle. So let's just say you've got a three inch diameter. Which gives you a inch and a half radius. So it's three and a half inches across that circle. And you've got an inch and a half radius. And you put that little compass down. You put the point in the middle. You draw the circle. Okay. And then do this. Take that compass point and move it off a quarter of an inch and draw your circle. And notice that there's some things now of that second circle that are outside of the first circle. That's the danger Christianity right there is when there's a slice of that pie, a slice of your life that is outside of that circle that was made with Jesus Christ at the center. It can be hobbies. It can be what you do with your time. I believe one of the greatest hindrances to local church work is Saturday evenings for people and Saturday nights. It's a one time they have no accountability. See, on the weeknights, they're accountable. They got to get to work. And you know, for the most part, most of you are going to get to work. You're going to get to work on time. So you're going to get your sleep or do whatever, shut it down. But how many Christians break all that normal pattern And come dragging in on Sunday mornings. Or they come in talking about everything but the Lord on Sunday mornings. Why? And that's one of the great challenges of pastoring. Paul went from persecutor to preacher. Your circle is your one. The center of that circle is your one thing. Everything else is in it. Not outside it. So hobbies and work and family and Wife and husband and children and grandchildren and all those other distractions. If they don't stay in that circle where Christ is at the center, they're going to be outside of the realm and the reach of Jesus Christ. It's your first of your firsts. Honestly, (laughs) I think believers are completely numb to the idea that you your first thoughts your first thoughts before you wiggle your toes or open your eyes in the morning your first thoughts can be about Jesus Christ I don't believe for any minute that we are destined the way God made us when he saved us made us new creatures of Christ I don't believe for a minute that you have to wake up all funny and grumpy and and you know dragging around oh I got to find a way to feel saved again I don't believe that I don't believe it. Because there's too many stuff in this New Testament, in these epistles, that talks about the fact that you're living in Christ because I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, that I allow live, not the part of my life that I live. You say, well, then why do I feel that way? Because you allow yourself to. Because you have bought into the fact that your flesh is really you, which it isn't, it's that old nature. You bought into the fact that you're battling your flesh when you're not. You're not supposed to wrestle against flesh and blood. Your own. It's your first of your first. Your first thought in the morning. Your first time. It's what's first in your, every core of your being. So the focus, focus is forward, isn't it? Focus is your first of first. The one thing number three quickly. The one thing, we'll probably end up with four of them, if we have time, for today, is forgetting, or you might write, forward. I write it like this, here's how I think of it, forgetting slash forward. I think the two go together personally. You leave your past in the past, but you realize that what God is really wanting out of us is to go beyond what the Pharisees did. I think one of the greatest hindrances to Bible believers is they ultra-divide the part of the Bible that they shouldn't. We should never ultra any of it. I get that. But they divide the part of the Bible that was meant to help us. They divide the part of the Bible and they apply certain things to it and they miss the application of it. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.20, I say unto you that Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall no case enter in the kingdom of heaven. Someone says, well, that, that's not about heaven. That's not about the church age. It can't be because the term kingdom of heaven is there. I understand all about that. I can teach it probably just better as you. It may be better. Don't get offended. The application is very simple. The application is that he said to them that what we're supposed to do is go beyond them. Not drop what they did. Here's one. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. There's an exclamation point there, so you've got to be emphatic. <laughs> For ye pay tithe of mint and anise eye's incumbent and have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment, mercy, and faith. And these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Not to leave the other undone. See, it's not well. We're gonna we're worried about judgment, mercy, and faith. We're not worried about this tithing and all these things. It's not a pharisaical thing to tithe. The Pharisees did it because it was Bible. You know, if you're not careful, you're going to throw out. They they call it throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You're going to throw out. So much that God wants you to be doing right now as part of your one thing, you're going to throw it out because you've got some excuse, okay, in your mind to say, well, the problem is uh, if it resembles the Pharisees, I'm not going to do it. That is, that, it's stupid, okay? It's foolish. If 90% of what they did did not resemble Scripture, they couldn't have pulled it off. I'm not going to change my vocabulary. I'm not going to change how I do things because some religion comes along and it copies effectively the Word of God. You know the Lord Jesus said in, in Luke 9, 62? He said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So it may cost you to have that one thing. It's forgetting and forward. It's like one thing. And the fourth thing I'm going to throw in here Is this it's a following thing? Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17 with me, brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which have mark (coughs) and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. It's a following thing, but you need to get, and I have to have the one thing right first, okay. We've got to get that right first before we get the other stuff wrong. I mean, put into our life. We get it wrong if we follow without Christ being at the center. Because we will inevitably pick up the part of that person that's human and more fleshly and easier, much easier to copy. When it comes to the men of God that the Lord allowed me to sit under through the years, they've, they've gone on to heaven and that kind of thing already and hopefully we'll be going on right behind right behind them any day now. amen. When we followed them it was it would have been easy to follow their human traits or their negative traits because the flesh can always imitate the flesh but you can't imitate spirituality. Here's a thought, okay. Psalm 40 verse 8 says this. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. <clears throat> we read in Hebrews 10 where it's quoting it on as a parallel to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. That phrase has helped me so many times in my life. I can't tell you how many times it's helped me. I would totally have lost track of it. And here's why. Because when I view that verse, it tells me that I'm to delight in the will of God, not necessarily delight in what the will of God is. See, I can delight in the will of God. I can delight in something because it is the will of God. Why is that so important to us? Because it may not be enjoyable at all. You know, in Hebrews 12, when he said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, the joy wasn't the cross and the shame. It was what was on the other side. As human beings with our limited understanding, intellect, and foresight, we don't know what's on the other side. We can choose to delight in it because it's the will of God. Here's a simple illustration. if you're a meat eater at all. Let's just say that God's will for your... His will for your life... Undisputed will for your life... And we'll say someone else is going to buy it for you... So you don't cringe like I would about spending that kind of money on myself. But let's say His undisputed will was for you to have the very... I mean the most tasty, perfectly cooked steak and side dishes that you like. That was the will of God. And someone said this is God's will... God told me to take you out and do this. And so there it was, the will of God. Well, I'd say it wouldn't be too hard to delight in that meal or to delight in the fact that that meal was the will of God. But let's, however, turn the coin over. We turn the coin over and let's say that you are in the will of God and you're in the middle of nowhere. You're on a mountain somewhere. You're in a swamp somewhere. You're in a wilderness primitive place and the will of God is to eat some stuff that you normally wouldn't eat in fact if you weren't real real hungry you wouldn't eat but it's been a couple days of basic food and he said you can delight in it and in everything you you can delight in it because it is the will of God when we think that way what it does it changes it changes how we perceive things because the one thing is to delight in the will of God. When I delight in the will of God, it doesn't matter what the will of God is. I'm going to delight because it is the will of God. Is it easier sometimes to delight? yeah, Will you delight in a different way? Absolutely. come on. We all know that, right? But we follow. This is one of the reasons we follow the examples of others who are walking with God. and Those those examples, and someone may follow your example, be careful. One of the greatest powers on earth is someone will will practice or try what you say or what you do, what you recommend, what they see you doing. So if we have one thing in our life, one thing, one thing, it will help others to follow. And we should look for people who have one thing. Now, One thing is never, ever, 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 ever the only thing. In fact, the one thing is always just the first thing. It's the focus point. It's the first of first. It's forgetting and moving forward, and it's a following thing. So one thing is never the only thing we don't just sit around read a Bible and pray we don't we don't just sit around read a Bible and pray and stare into the sky wait, looking for Him to come back we don't we don't just live a little you know cloistered life like we were say a monk or or that kind of thing in a monastery we no we don't we go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature across the street from you across around the corner down at the supermarket or sometimes across the other side of the world one thing. Would you today stop, ask the Lord if you really do have a a focus on one thing? One thing's never the only thing. It is not true that you can be so heavenly minded you're of no earthly good, because if you're heavenly minded you're going to be of great earthly good, but you're going to be so in the will of God and in the way of God. People who act like they're being so heavenly minded, they don't have the one thing. He said, forgetting and forward. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth those things before, I press toward the mark of the prize of a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's one thing. And our life should center around it. One thing is never the only thing, but it determines. All the other things. Father, I pray, use these thoughts as only thou canst in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be with you.